Welcome to Rep Your Side. It's Austin, a.k.a. Smooth Oz, with your boy Terry G here, a.k.a. Big Dog. Make sure to like and subscribe before you do anything. Like and subscribe. Continue to show us love as we bring more great content your way as we rep our side and as you rep your side. And also make sure you drop some comments on some of the things that we're saying. Whether you like it or you dislike it, please drop some comments so we can respond to it. Maybe have you on the show. Rep your side. Thanks for watching. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special edition of Rep Your Side. I have my guy, Terry G, a.k.a. Big Dog Big Dog in the building. But I have a special guest on with me today and Coach James Lewis of the Jim Hill High School Athletic Director. Also, introduce yourself, Coach. Hey, how's it going, Austin? Uh, and also, uh, Big Dog. My name is James Lewis. I'm the head boys basketball coach at Jim Hill High School. I'm also the school's athletic director, and I also teach uh, IB health and physical education. So um, definitely glad to be on today. Definitely. We're glad that you uh, came on with us and just taking time out your busy schedule to just come talk to us. So, Coach, just give us, give us an overview of how you landed at Jim Hill, and then we'll get into the uh, things that you do uh, just working on the kids and improving their lifestyles and just working on them. Gotcha, gotcha. It's you know, every, I think every, uh, not only every teacher, but definitely every coach has a story. And so uh, when people ask me, how did I get to Jim Hill, man, my story is, is pretty unique. I actually started, um, I went to Warren Central High School in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and I got the blessing to be able to come back as a teacher and a coach at Warren Central Junior High School, which is where I started my uh, teaching and coaching career. Uh, I was the assistant boys basketball coach for the junior high team. And just, you know, kind of caught a break. Uh, the head coach at the time, uh, he and his wife, his wife actually worked for the government. And she got a promotion, uh, I believe, in the state of Alabama. So they moved that following year. So basically, I went from the assistant coach to the head middle school coach. Well, the next following year, uh, the ninth grade uh, basketball coach at my, um, at my alma mater, one Central High School, he actually left to take a different job. And so I got a call from the varsity head coach uh, and asked, was I willing to be the uh, new head ninth grade boys basketball coach and also his varsity assistant? And I took, I actually thought about it. I was actually in Dallas, Texas that weekend with my, uh, my, my uh, older brother, just kind of hanging out with him because I you know, don't get a lot of time to kind of see him and hang out with him. So I got the call. Uh, I, I immediately called my middle school principal and he told me to just take the entire weekend and just kind of think about it. Uh, and, you know, long story short, I did accept the offer. And that's, I think that's when I really, uh, my career kind of started to kind of catapult a little bit. Uh, as a ninth grade coach, uh, for three consecutive years, we won our conference championship. Uh, I also got a chance my last year there to fill in as the interim varsity coach. Uh, my varsity coach actually had to have surgery. Uh, he was supposed to only be out for a week. It actually turned into uh, nine full basketball games. And so in that stretch, we went seven and two. Uh, I got a chance to run the program, um, you know, kind of make some changes. And, and uh, it, it really solidified my belief that I was ready to be a varsity head coach. Uh, after that last championship year, I applied to Jim Hill, got the job offered. Uh, going, into my, going into my second year, uh, I was asked to be the um, athletic director of the school, uh, which I accepted. And so this is uh, this has concluded my third term, my third season at Jim Hill. And this is the farthest we made it this year. We made it to the second round of the playoffs, uh, broke all types of um, 
uh, droughts as far as making it to the playoffs, making it past the first round. And so uh, we're really excited about bringing our group back, our nucleus back. Uh, we're full of sophomores. And so we have hopefully two more years to make a, a strong push to try to uh, get that gold ball that we all chase as coaches. Definitely. I'm definitely uh, wishing for the best coach. Also, I, I want to just take a pause and give a shout out to uh, Corey and Padgett, uh, uh, host of For the Health of It. Um, he kind of, you know, introduced me to you and just thankful for the opportunity to get to talk to you, coach. And um, just starting off by just saying that it's crazy where life takes us. We start off small and just starting off on a small scale and just you recognize how small things can lead to big things. It's just all about the process. And, you know, in your um and your journey, Coach, is, is, is actually been very fast moving, if you think about it, you know, in the span of, uh, is it now eight or nine? Or yeah, nine this years? is uh, this is going into my, my eighth year total in education and coaching. So, yeah, I think you're really right, man. You know, a lot of coaches, man, it may take 10 to 15 years to get where I am. And so I, I definitely, you know, don't take the opportunities for granted. Uh, and I always tell my assistant coaches all the time, you know, it's pressure on us to always do the right things, man, because, you know, a lot of folks don't get these opportunities as quickly. And so, you know, you have to do what is required of you uh, to maintain these positions and also represent the best of your ability for the school, the program, and also put a, uh, be a good role model for these student athletes. So I definitely take it seriously. Correct, correct. So uh, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of going to flip the scale right fast. You know, you said you came from, uh, am I right, Vicksburg, Mississippi? Correct, right. Yeah. Uh, so you come from Vicksburg, you know, you kind of, if we've been honest, Coach, you started out, you know, if we go back into the day, I actually listened to For the Health of the Podcast, and you said actually you were a football player and uh, you played <laughs> the position of wide receiver. Am I correct? Man, you, you did your research. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely, yeah. Definitely. I, I did when I was a wide receiver. Uh, we won a district championship my senior year. So, man, honestly, I had, I had the dream of trying to play college ball, man, as a wide receiver, but, you know, that didn't pan out. But that's, yeah, man, I, growing up, my love was football. It was. Yeah. Yeah, so you know where I'm going with this question, Coach. Um, <laughs> you know, being that you had that football background and you said you kind of didn't play basketball at the time, which is understandable. You were a football standout, if we must, if I must say so myself. So my question is, why didn't you kind of flip over into football more so of basketball? And how did that, was it just, you know, more so? Uh, uh, again, uh, again, you know, like how you said, we have a story to tell, man. Actually, yeah. when I... Uh, my, my first ever, I, I guess, so to speak, you know, my opportunity to go and speak to a principal was uh, at Warren Central Junior High School. And so I actually went there uh, just to try to find a coaching gig. And I told the principal I was interested in coaching football. He said that all the football slots were uh, filled. He said, but they think they, was gonna, they were going to have an assistant basketball coaching spot open. And so I said, well, you know what? I really just want to get into education. I want to get into coaching. And so I accepted the assistant role as the basketball coach. And needless to say, man, you know, from that point on, my career has been rolling. And so, uh, you know, a, a lot of times it's not what you want to do. I think it's what God places you here to do. And from that day forth, I've been, I mean, rolling in basketball and I love it ever since. And so although I love football, I mean, I, I played basketball as well growing up, too. But yeah, uh, I, I think I was in that spot for a reason. And so that's kind of how my career got going uh, in that basketball spot. Yeah. Let me ask a question right here, because you had a school that has one of the worst football teams I have ever seen in my entire life. I don't understand how you didn't become the football head coach uh, to try to turn that system around. I, I think it's it's a lot of challenges uh, in the area that we're in. And, and, okay. and I, I can say this. I think our coaches do a great job of dealing with the, the lack of resource that we do have in the area. You know, and, and I tell people all the time, you know, records don't really dictate a lot, although the outside people do see records. But our coaches work, I, I would say, just as hard as any other coaches in the state. 
And and I, I truly believe you will see things change and swing in a different direction moving forward. Meaning that they yeah. must have changed coaches since Austin was a student there. Yeah, they, they have. Because when Austin was a student there, I don't even think they gave a damn about that football program. Um, it might have just changed over within the next couple, you know, couple of years or so. Because I can remember when Austin was going there, that was like the worst football team I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, we kind of, you know, flipped the script of it. Uh, we did uh, break a, a, a losing record of 22 straight games when I was there. So we kind of did flip the script. And and if we're going back on what they did last year or the year before uh, COVID happened, you know, they actually had a productive season compared to what we uh, had a standpoint on. So if we can look at it, it's actually been um, – they it's a uh, step in the right direction from being what it was, like you said, uh, Big Dog, of, you know, the losing and things of that matter. So – it's kind of in a step in the right direction if we've been honest. So we just only got to see what uh, what comes next with the future of uh, Jim Hill football. So, But moving back on to it, Coach, and, and the basketball side of it, I kind of want to get into more, si- uh, more, so, uh, more so of the kids, um, you know, because this is what we are here for and just the development of young men. So uh, being this is just something that's been on my mind. Lately, you know, three-point three point shot has been like, the the big big cojona of uh basketball and we've seen it just trickle down to uh, high school basketball so my question to you is you know is mid-range uh the mid-range shot still effective in high school ball or is it is, is it not it seems non-existent non-existent today what, what do you got to say about that and maybe hold on before you make that answer too maybe i could piggyback on that defense because i always used to think that defense wins games you know what I'm saying? I understand we all got to put points on the board, but defense wins games. Nine times out of 10, we're looking at on the professional level, college level, now high school level, everybody want to run up the score. I'm trying to figure out, well, when is defense going to come into effect? You know what I'm saying? So it, do your program includes all, meaning I can we can focus on the three, we can focus on the mid-range, but we got to focus on defense too. Because if we score 120 points and they score 120 points, Somebody got to stop somebody. What do you feel I, about that, Coach? I, I correlated to this, and and it's it's. I think the first thing that just popped to my mind was, I was watching an NBA game highlight, and they showed it was a fast break. And I, I want to say it may have been either the Milwaukee Bucks or uh, maybe the um, uh, uh, the Toronto Raptors, but it was basically a three on one, and this team was down by uh, one point, and it was like five, it was ticking down five, four, three. They had three guys, all three guys, instead of pushing it down for a three-on-one layup to win the game, they spread out to the three-point line and took a bad three and lost the game by one. So I said that to say this, you know, as to answer your question, Austin, uh, the mid-range is effective. Uh, I think what's popular nowadays, not saying it's right, but what's popular is the long ball. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, you know, all these three-point shooters, they make the NBA look so much more fun. They make basketball look so much more fun. But kids on our level sometimes fail to realize that these guys live, breathe, and sleep basketball. They wake up and work on their craft day in and day out. The lowest percentage in basketball is a three-point shot. Now, I'm a fan of, you know, we, we, we definitely try to pick up the tempo, but at the same time, we don't let you touch the court if you don't play defense. Uh, so to answer both of you guys' questions, uh, we focus on defense first, defense second, defense fo- foremost. We always train our kids that offense comes off of defense. And so we're, we're a team where we up-tempo, we press a lot, we trap. We try to dictate pace. And I think when we do a good job of that, we're very successful. Uh, you know, we, we work on our press breaks because the old adage is if you like to press, you don't like to be pressed. 
well, I teach my kids, well, we're going to press, but also be ready for teams that press us, and we're going to get layups. And I tell kids all the time, if a team wants to press us, they are telling us to get a layup, get a tough layup. And that's what we focus on. We don't take bad threes. We don't jack up long-range shots. I'm an old-school coach that believes in pick and rolls. Uh, we want to get that ball down to our dominant big guys. We want to get uh, mismatches in space and try to attack the paint. And so uh, although I do have a, a saying, if you're open, want you to shoot the ball, you're not going to see us take a 1,000 three-point shots a game. We're going to focus on defense, making you play faster than you want to play, hopefully turn that ball over and get easy baskets in transition. Correct, correct. So uh, just moving back to that, uh, what you said uh, about the three-point shot also, because I did see y'all uh, – well, one game which y'all were very hot on was the Wingfield game. I watched that game, and the threes were raining in. So how do you feel when they're hot uh, from the three-point line? Uh, that's a question I want to ask also, yeah. Well, like I said, you know, in, in that Wingfield game, and it was, you know, probably one of, the, one of the most fun games I've been a part of, just to kind of sit back on the, on the coaching seat and see those guys. I mean, our guys, I think we shot the highest percentage of three-point shooting in that game. I mean, that was the highest, I think, as a coach I've had. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's fun when you have your kids out there celebrating, high fiving each other. Uh, I mean, the nets were on fire, and so I'm a coach to where if it's working, I'm not gonna stop it. And so I basically told you know that's not fall in love with it, but if it's open, keep on letting them fly. And I think man, I think that whole game we may have only missed one three, maybe two, uh, but yeah. we were red hot. And so uh, I think we ended up winning that game by almost yeah. thirty points. And it was yeah, just it was I mean, a blowout. The, yeah, yeah. The, the three point line was really a deciding factor in that. And my thing is when those guys are hot, I don't want to take that out of there. You know, I don't want to take yeah. it out of their arsenal. And so, I I mean, as a coach, I mean, I, I, I get excited to see our kids get excited. And so, that was a fun ball game. Yeah, correct, correct, correct. So, uh, that was just something that was on my mind. Moving on, moving on, uh, kind of just talking more about the kids also. Uh, I'm going to go back to a guy, uh, KJ. Uh, his name's Kevontae Jefferson. Um, he just recently came off coming in second, and uh, I believe it was the 200 in the state championship. Uh, okay. I was there with you. Uh, but – my question is, how do you feel about these two sport athletes? Uh, and I'm going to move on and ask another question after that. Well, if you if you ever pay attention to like a lot of these um, professional athletes and, and not trying to make a correlation between, you know, high school or pro. Uh, but if you do your research on, you know, players like Ezekiel Elliott or Le LeBron James or Allen Iverson, all those guys play more than one sport. Uh, and so I'm, you know, speaking for as the head boys basketball coach and also as the school AD, I'm all for kids. Um, testing out or seeing what they're good at. I think the more sports you play, the better opportunities you may have to play on the next level. And so I'm never one of those coaches to where I tell kids, look, don't play this, don't play that. Because who knows, like, uh, you know, one of my former coworkers, uh, you know, he was a basketball star in high school. He didn't pick up a helmet until his senior year in, in high school and uh, ended up playing for the Denver Broncos. And so, you know, it just, you, you can't really, you know, minimize these kids' chances and opportunities. And so, I'm all for multi-sport athletes. I think it, it, it teaches them a lot about commitment, dedication, hard work, and also understanding how to be organized and, and manage their time. So I'm all for it. I'm all right. for it. Let me ask a question, because I remember back when I was in school, when I played football, our coach, we had to do wrestling, football, and track. And he said, and, and his reason was wrestling is going to make you stronger. Uh, track is going to make you faster. So when you get on that football field, you're going to be an all-around definite athlete. So I agree with you on that. I would, me personally, I would encourage my kids, definitely if you're on the basketball team, please play, you know, try out for the track team. You know what I'm saying? Because that's going to make you so much better running up and down that court. Your stamina is going to stay up, you know? And uh, so I agree with you 100% on that one because I can remember back in the day, we had to play multiple uh, sports that it was recommended for us with the coaches. They, 
They wanted you in wrestling. They wanted you in uh, track. Right. Yeah. And, and I have uh, I think uh, Austin spoke about Coach Padgett earlier. We have a really good relationship. You know, Coach Padgett is our uh, cross country coach as well as our uh, boys track and field coach. And so uh, we didn't have cross country this year due to COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but, you know, he does a really good job of, of working with our athletes and with my basketball players. Uh, I had I ended the season with 14 players on the roster out of that 14, 10 ran track and field. That's and so, you know, it, it just, I mean, you know, with such a high number of kids participating in track, it just really gets them ready for our summer league. And so yeah. uh, we really work hand in hand with our athletes because I want our athletes to go and help out his team. And, and retroactively, he helps us out uh, as we get ready for summer workouts. And that's good. Yeah. And uh, speaking on summer workouts and all of that, we know the kids um, with two sport athletes, uh, the two sport athletes are, you know, just working hard year round in different sports of that matter. So that I ask you all this to say that, uh, you know, going back to that, you know, kids nowadays, two sport athletes, but then in the long term, we look at them, um, you know, are, are they becoming more injury prone to these two sports uh, that they played? Uh, we go back to some um, huge injuries. I'll just say Odell is one. Um, in the basketball side, we look at Kevin Durant. Uh, we just think about how um, AAU, uh, we think about that AAU ball, summer track, all of these things. These kids are doing this 24-7 year round. You think about it, they truly don't have a break for, let's say, only a month or so. In some um, instances, can that be uh, troubling, you know, in the long term? When we think about it, uh, they doing these things. Let's look at Zion. He's always injury prone. I wanted to speak on him bad like that, but mm-hmm. you know he's been playing basketball year round and things of that matter. That's why I kind of want to ask you, you know, how does that affect them in the long term, or is it just depending on the actual athlete? Right, and and medically, you know, it's hard to say uh, because I know when I was growing up, man, I I did everything, especially in the summer. I mean, it was, I mean, we, we stayed involved with activities, and so you know, medically. I can't really say if it's really wearing their bodies down. I'm, I'm pretty sure it, you know, may, they may not get as much rest as they may need to. Uh, but, you know, I just believe that the more they're involved with, the more it will define their bodies, uh, you know, keep their bodies in shape. Uh, you know, I, I know there's a correlation. I have some football players that play uh, basketball as well. You know, although football is kind of a different type, you know, physicality as far as basketball, uh, you know, you, it does take them a while to kind of get acclimated to basketball. But I, I, don't, I don't think it, it keeps them more prone to injury. Uh, it does kind of probably fatigue those muscles and body and the body out a little bit more. Uh, but I think it's really up to the kid uh, to make sure they get proper rest, proper hydration, uh, eat the right food so that way their bodies can recover. Uh, but, you know, definitely just as a correlation, even for basketball, I think basketball has turned into something that's year round. I mean, when I was growing yes. up, basketball was a defined season. So now basically we may get only one true month off, but pretty much from August when school starts uh, to the end of June, when we basically finish summer workouts, we only have July off. Uh, and so that's just kind of, you know, it's just a, just kind of how things are now. And really, if you don't adjust or get with it, you kind of get left behind. Yeah, that is correct. That is correct. I can uh, truly agree with what you're saying. So just going back to the Jim Hill program, um, how did you kind of just change this around? Because we know in the first couple of years, it was kind of a struggle. And now that we seen, uh, you said, stated earlier how y'all made it to the second round of the playoffs this year, um, losing to Pascagoula by just seven points. Um, it was a, a close game throughout how do you uh how did you rebuild this program into the structure as it has been uh being that we know that Jim Hill was uh prided on basketball for many a years you right. know I, I think the first I think the toughest part when you take over any program uh and, and you're trying to restore it or rebuild it you, you really have to get players uh like-minded to the identity that you want to have with your program I think the toughest part was to really understand that 
a lot of those coaches kind of had a different, a lot of those kids had a different mindset. Uh, they were under a different coach. And so, you know, they kind of, you know, understood their philosophy. And I think, you know, when, when a new coach comes in, you know, it takes time to say, look, you know, we're going to do this this way. We're going to do it that way. Even so, to speak things about discipline, you know, I, I checked on kids, make sure they went to classes. Uh, you know, I had a rule. If you don't if you don't go to class or you get in trouble in class, you're not going to dress up, you're not going to play. You know, little things like that, although at first it was like, you know, bumping heads. Eventually, you know, those kids would either get kicked off or weeded out. And I kept saying, we're moving forward. We're not trying to regress. And just really laying your identity and your foundation down, uh, you know, not accepting or allowing kids to waver between that. Uh, basically saying, you know, this is the line. This is what I want you to do. Either you're going to stay behind this line or you're going to cross and we're going to have some consequences. And so I think discipline and structure was number one. Uh, academics, uh, basically, well, academics was number one because you can't play if you don't have the grades. Along with that, though, that, you know, you're going to have discipline and structure. And so, you know, one thing I'm most proud about is of all of our kids in our basketball program, we have a 100% graduation rate for our seniors. Uh, I, I think before me, that number may not have been 100%. I can't know for sure. But I know with me, all of our seniors graduate. Uh, that's one thing I, uh, when I had the interview, I told the panel, uh, you don't have to worry about our kids going to class, doing their work, uh, not being nuisances in class, doing their work and staying eligible. And so when you lay all that hard work and foundation down, I think the program kind of starts to you know, build itself. And then of course, then you get on the court with skill development, training, strength training, run, uh, conditioning. And then I, I think I really assembled a really good coaching staff, You know, guys that had coaching experience, uh, guys that had playing experience and do things the right way. And so, you know, with that, you know, in two, in three years, you know, we've, we've kind of reached the goal, but we have a lot more goals to try to pass. Now, you yes, know what, yes. Coach, that was one of my questions I was going to ask you was about the academic part of it, because I do remember when, um, you know, back in the day when I was in school and all that, it was all about winning. They didn't give a damn about your academics. What matter of fact, what they do is going to find someone to take that test for you or do that homework for you so you can stay on the team. So my question was going to be exactly what you already explained was um, – are you that type of coach who say, okay, my best player is failing. He will sit down regardless. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, well, I was, I was going to ask, and this is a true story. I think yeah. um, uh, my first year, we were actually headed into a game with Terry, which was at the time. And Austin could tell you, that's our district opponent. We, we changed yes. district since then. Yeah. Right. And Terry actually had, uh, you know, actually a former Jim Hill player on their roster. And so, you know, as, as bad as, you know, our kids knew that, that was one of those games we really, really, really wanted to win. And so, you know, with – a, a player that used to be at Jim Hill and now went to Terry. You know, I mean, everybody kind of circled that, that, that date on our calendar. Well, uh, our starting small forward on that day of the game chose to skip class. So he did not touch the court at all that game. And, and I, you know, I just said that to say this, you know, I'm all about winning as well, but if we let these kids slip, then they're going to lose in life too. And they're going right. to think they can do it in life. And so That's I just, right. I didn't feel bad about doing it. I made that decision. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really care what anybody else wanted to do. I want to make that statement that we're not going to fall for that. And we moved forward and we moved past it, but I did make that decision. I was actually I was actually at that game also. And uh, you know, some people were asking that question. So yeah. you know, I think that's a uh, definitely a way to set the foundation. If you set it with the star player or whoever, you know, setting that foundation is how you get it started, just never giving slack to anybody and anyone. So I definitely agree with that. Um and you know, uh nowadays, you know. If you don't have the academics to do it, you're not going to know how to break down a defense. You're not you're not going to know how to get around it. You may be talented, but you might not have the IQ to actually recognize what's going on in the court. You might just be talented, but not with the IQ. And nowadays we see players um, 
of where we look at five stars and things like that, they may be talented, but the IQ is not on the level of a three star. And that's why sometimes we see these three stars and other players end up in the NBA and you wonder what these five star players and so and so are because they don't have the IQ to recognize and break down these things just based off their talent. Well, um, and, and that's basically, and I was going to say not to, uh, you know, cut you off, but, you know, yeah. we, we look at basketball as like a class. You know, we want to teach the kids the right way to play the sport. And just, you know, I was going to say this about, you know, us and we really teach our guys exactly like a playbook. Uh, we, we try to train them basically for anything that any other team wants to throw at us. We have an answer for it. And so basically you're talking about presses, traps, uh, offensive sets, defensive sets, zone offense, zone defense. I mean, our guys really have to learn a lot because we, we throw a lot of stuff at them. And I, I just put pressure on them to say, look, if you can't learn this, it's going to be tough for you to play. And every kid wants to play. And so they're going to actually do what they got to do, focus and, and, and learn these sets and offensive uh, schemes. And you'll be surprised at what kids can and can't do when you put that pressure on them. And, and, and like the, just like, you know, with a, a diamond, like that, that heat and that pressure makes it form into something beautiful. I think yeah. basketball is the same way. You know, you, you got to be tough on them with that tough love, but at the same time, love them, nurture them, care about them. Uh, and, and, and treat them with respect. And I think you'll, you'll see exactly what you want in, in, the, in the, uh, the end game. And at the yeah, same definitely. time, at the same time with the teaching that you're doing, it's also going to help them out in life. It's going to help them out with their schoolwork. And therefore, when you step out into the real world, got to work hard to keep a job or you're going to be unemployed. You know what I'm saying? So the program that you're running, that's a damn good program right there because you're teaching them exactly what real life is all about. What's going to happen after you leave Jim Hill? You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to work extra hard after you leave Jim Hill. So we're teaching you hard work, you know what I'm saying, to go on with the rest of your life. So that's a good that's a good thing, good program going on down there. Exactly. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, and I want to pack this in also with, uh, you know, uh, what you're saying about the real world and all that. Uh, being that Jim Hill is, you know, in the pride of an inner city west, uh, west side of Jackson, how do you kind of deal with the influences of, of things of that matter? And, you know, and how do you, uh, you know, just get into how do you impact that, um, impact them and impact the community and the parents and, you know, everybody around? Well, uh, man, when I first got the job, uh, I actually knew a lady who was an alumni of Jim Hill. And the first thing she said was, oh, you're going to the addition. I never knew what the addition was, but <laughs> it was basically, it's basically the community, you know, right yeah. behind the school. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people may say that the cemetery right in front of the school is a distraction, but man, the first time we basically called it a tiger run. And so basically the, the first workouts we had was actually a, a, some, some, the, the kids running around the cemetery. Yeah. Before they took off running, I, I just kind of was thinking about it before we actually went to workouts that day. And I said, man, this cemetery is really symbolic of life decisions and life choices. And so I told the guys, every time you come around this block, look at this cemetery. You know, you can either choose to go left or choose to go right. But the decisions you make will either keep you on this path of righteousness or could possibly lead you to being in the cemetery. And so we use it as a, as a, as, a, as a metaphor for us to say, look, we're going to try to always do the right thing. We're not going to be perfect, but if we continue to listen to our, our, our role models in our life, listen to our parents, listen to our coaches, listen to our teachers, we can be okay. We may not go pro. We may not, you know, end up making millions of dollars, but we can be successful in something that we choose to do. And so we cannot use external factors to, in, to influence individual decisions. And so, we can, you know, we tell them we can't use uh, the neighborhood as an excuse to why you can't make it out. We can't use, uh, you know, external factors to why you can't be successful and graduate. And we just don't, you know, we don't take no for an answer. We put so much pressure on our kids to go to school, go to get to class, do what they're supposed to do. And the most gratifying feeling for me as a coach is to, I never miss graduations. To see those kids walk across that stage, I take pictures with every one of our senior basketball players. I have a little uh, scrapbook. And to me, man, when I'm just sitting at the house and I'm bored, looking at those pictures gives me more motivation to affect more lives day in and day out. 
Definitely, definitely. I agree with that. You know, just the small things that we do, you know, uh, these kids uh, remember that um, and they carry that with life. Everybody. Like I remember when Coach Lewis told me to get on my, uh, get on my books and go to class and that really impacted me to continue on a straight path. And, you you know, you never know well, where I, that goes. I, I think I think, you know, what's really touching is, man, when you have those former players come back and I always have an open door policy. Uh, we have former players come back to practices and games. And I always anytime they come to practice. I always allow them to speak and tell them, you know, their story and what they're doing. Because I think a lot of times, you know, experience goes a long way. And I know we say kids are kids, but if a kid has gone through an experience to kind of go back and help somebody else, I say, look, we're going to stop practice. Guys, I have something to say. And I tell them beforehand, you're going to have to say something. So when I say you have something to say, they can't say no. But even if it's a sentence, they're going to tell something from their experiences, which can hopefully help these guys that's currently playing right now. Definitely. Let me ask you a question. Y'all actually in school down there? We're, we're hybrid. So we actually have, um, um, Kids can come to campus and they can also learn uh, virtually. So we actually have both. We have a okay. hybrid model. Yeah, that's why I wonder because all our schools basically up here is virtual. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, lastly, I'm, I'm going to hit you with uh, two more questions and then I'm going to get you out of here, Coach. But uh, this is more so on the competition side of it, um, you know, recruiting. When we think of, you know, you're recruiting guys from middle schools around the Jackson um, area or whoever uh, comes and transfers to the school and things of that matter. But uh, how do you deal with recruiting uh, specifically in the city of Jackson when we look at powerhouses as uh, Callaway is really the, uh, the powerhouse of uh, JPS right now, Callaway, when we look at uh, other schools that have been flourishing, uh, Murr and, and, and Lanier, they actually won a state championship in the 4A. So uh, we just think about that. How do you compete with these powerhouses in JPS being that, you know, we're seeing the structure, we're seeing you uh, rebuild it. But uh, I know you probably definitely lost some recruits, maybe that you have wanted. How do you kind of uh, deal with that? You know? Well, I, I, I think, and I, like I was telling my, my coaching staff, you know, a lot of things, you know, at some point you really can't control because say, for example, let's say this kid had uh, their brother, sister, or parent that went to this school in Jackson. Well, you know, nine times out of 10, their parents are gonna put pressure on them to wanna go to that school as well. And so a lot of things, you know, like with the family lineage, you really can't control. But this is what I kind of try to do to, to make our program shine. Uh, man, we when I say we take care of our kids, uh, for example, man, we raise money for our playoff trip. I didn't think it was okay to take a yellow school bus all the way down to Long Beach, Mississippi for a first-round playoff game. I didn't think it was okay to take a, a school bus down to Pascagoula for a second-round playoff game. We raise money to get charter buses both both those trips. Now, you know charter buses can be pretty expensive. Yes. But to see those kids be comfortable, uh, laid back, enjoying their ride, that was number one. Number two, we feed our kids before every single game. And I'm not talking about bologna and cheese sandwiches. I'm talking about <laughs> hot meals prepared. Uh, and, and I try to run my program similar to a, a Division I college program. Uh, man, I, I'm a huge, huge, huge college basketball fan. And I've been watching college basketball, man, since I could walk. And, and I just always try to emulate some of the things that they do. And so, uh, you know, when I think kids on the outside see what we're doing and the way we take care of our kids, I mean, buying brand new uniforms. Uh, when I first got the job, I mean, we, everything was in, in, in tough shape. To basically say what we from where we started to where we are now is just a testament to man the things that we wanted the goals that we set and i think kids see that and so you know just being visible in the middle schools as well i uh, mean i'm always at my middle schools talking to our feeder, uh, feeder patterns about our program what we can do and, and you know also winning the ninth grade championship a couple of years ago you know the first time and i don't know how many years i mean it was a long it was a it was a drought and so you know just you know seeing the positive things that we do uh and, and i think that kind of bleeds into uh you know our middle school feeder programs and they kind of see and just, you know, creating the buzz to where kids do want to come and play for us. And so that's really what we try to do. And, you know, that's funny that you said that because I don't understand y'all in the inner city down there. 
you know, the schools up here, because I'm from Chicago, you know, all our schools, like you just said, when you're going for competition, it's always Greyhound buses. There ain't no yellow school bus taking them nowhere. Two, all the players are given the same shoes. So the whole team has the exact same shoes, brand new uniform. But because of the fact we're in a big city like this, you got kid, you got people like D. Rose. He gave back to his high school, Simeon High School. He'll buy them everything. You know what I'm saying? You got different players like that is going to make sure that that money is put into those schools. So most parents don't have to worry about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Absolutely. So I kind of like that pro, what y'all doing like this, because I remember back, back in the day, I'm just like you. I was a band member, president of my band in high school and everything. You know, we did a lot of fundraising, a lot of fundraising. And it wasn't just for the band. We did the fundraising for the football team if they needed something, for the girls' basketball team, you know, for the uh, boys' basketball team, the wrestling. It depends on what it was. We did that fundraising for that. You know what I mean? Because for some reason, the band can actually make more money than football team, basketball team, or whatever, because we was always putting on performance, always doing concerts. You know, we was working for the mayor, the city of, uh, the city of Chicago for the mayor. So we was actually getting a lot of money. So we had donate some of that money back because all our instruments and stuff was always donated anyway. We never had to pay for instruments or anything like that. So the money we will raise, we'll give back to like, if I, especially if our basketball or our football team was performing well and going to championship, I would make sure they had everything brand new. So I guess that's the difference in the big cities than the inner cities that uh, really don't have the money. So that's a good idea exactly what you all doing how you raise money and it gives it gives the students a thing to say look this is what we want i want to be you know looking just like all the rest of the school so let's get out there and work let's bring that money in there let's you know get out there and get that money so we can all look the same you know we could all look decent we ain't looking raggedy when we go to these schools you know what i'm saying absolutely and i think that's my philosophy since i've gotten a job and even before i got the job uh, because you know, one thing I always appreciated when I was a ninth grade coach, I was always allowed to uh, run that ninth grade program as, as if it was a varsity head coaching program, I, I, as if I was a varsity head coach. And so I had my own fundraisers. Uh, I could basically do my own apparel orders. And so I just have an idea of I want our guys to look uniform with everything we do. When we travel, when we eat, when we get off of a bus, I cannot stand to look different. Yeah. And so, that, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to kind of stress about, you know, when I became AD. Uh, you know, we didn't have a centralized logo for the school. We had a bunch of different tigers. And so one of the things we centralized was our, our branding as far as the JH and the Tiger Head. So when the girls basketball team gets off a bus and I get off of a bus, we have the same logo. Another thing was, you know, I tell like those guys, even though we're in a, a area where we may lack resources, we can work for what we want. When I first That's got right. the job at Jim Hill, we had no practice uniform. Basically, uh, they were just basically practicing uh, whatever. And so we did an immediate fundraiser to what we solidified practice uniforms. And so I just tell them, you know, if you say you want something, you better be willing to put in the work because if you say you want something, and I said, guys, we're going to do it. You already know a fundraiser is coming down the pipeline. So just be willing to work. Uh, and, and the last thing was, you know, even this past year, uh, those guys said they wanted this or they wanted that. Man, we had a catfish fry. We were out in that sun for almost four hours. I mean, I didn't know a doggone, uh, the, the, I don't know what you call it, but, man, those hot plates, when you fry that fish, it can get hot. Yeah, but when that booster club says we raised over twelve hundred dollars too, that's that makes it all worthwhile. So all that yeah. all that money that we raise goes directly back to our program. And the kids see that all this sweat goes to something. 
and it goes directly back to them. And so it's, yeah. and I, I think it's well worth the effort that we put in. It is. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, the students and the kids, the student athletes recognize that, you know, the community is buying into them and they actually have somebody to play for, not just plan for something or plan for themselves. They actually plan for a whole community for the people that's giving back to them, providing, you know, the things that they need and the things that they want. Absolutely. And, and that's another thing, man. Our alumni came out so strong, uh, man. On our playoff run, I mean, they donated Gatorade. I mean, all kinds of stuff to help make our trips and everything successful. So our alumni really came through for us as well. They did. Definitely, definitely. Let me let me ask you a question on um on your coaching program. One more uh one more question. Uh, do you allow ninth and tenth graders to practice or play with the uh, veteran? I mean, with the uh, varsity team. One hundred percent. I move up ninth graders. Uh, who I who I see are competing on that level. My thing is, the younger they get a chance to get in and, and get their feet warm, the better they'll be. Uh, our starting point guard right now played as a ninth grader, and he played against some of the top competition in JPS. And so I think if he had never got that opportunity to play as a ninth grader, he may not be where he is right now. And so he, he was our starting point guard this year as a 10th grader, but because we threw him in the fire as a ninth grader, man, he was right there. And so we all practice together. Ninth through 12th grade, we're in the same gym together every day. And yeah, because so, you know, that's what I was asking that question. Because you know, up here, you can't do that. Ninth graders, it's all freshman team. They cannot be on the varsity team until their sophomore or junior year, depending. But up here, it's all freshman team. Ninth graders can't play with the upperclassmen. Well, I, I just think that kind of stunts their growth uh, because I, I've always been the, the kind of guy to where if they can compete and they're ready to kind of get their, their feet wet, what's wrong with them competing? Right. I, now, I just, they can, now they can practice with them. They mm -hmm. just cannot. I think it's a rule for like I'm just saying the our big cities that uh, the younger the ninth grader, depending on their age, they cannot play. Okay. You can practice with the team, but you cannot play in a physical game until you become either that age or that grade. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I want to ask you: How do you do that when the uh, uh, freshmen's coming in? How did that works out? Because I know the freshman coming in has a freshman team. That's the only team they could play on until their uh, sophomore year, which okay. is their 10th grade. All right. You know, so. Yeah. So I got one last question for you, Coach Lewis, and then I'm going to get you out of here. Well, I'm going to kind of combine the two. But uh, name me three coaches you <laughs> feel like that remind you of you or resemble yourself. And tell me what's next for Jim Hill High School on the basketball side and just all athletics, because since you are the athletic director, tell me what's okay. next. So, so three coaches that, all right. So, so basically, can I pick three that uh, I guess closely identify, relate to me, or maybe three that I've kind of yeah. admired or we, like kind of. Yeah, three admire or whatever you want to do. It's up to well, you. I, I would say first, man, Tubby Smith. Uh, man, I've always been a Kentucky Wildcats fan, and I actually started liking them. Uh, when he became the first African-American to win, um, uh, uh, you know, a college championship. And so, you know, definitely for him, you know, he was always defensive minded. He was defense first. And so I, I always, you know, I always respected Tubby Smith for what he did. Uh, I say second, Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs. Man, he is a no-nonsense, uh, share the ball, move that ball type coach. Uh, you'll never see any of his players take a, a bunch of shots. That ball is not going to stick. And he is a catalyst for playing defense. I mean, he's always played defense. Uh, man, I think when they shot LeBron and they won the last championship they did, I mean, you know, everybody counted them out, but they just did it the right way. They play so unselfish, and that's what we've been trying to get our kids to do and accomplish. And I think our guys are, you know, are, are getting to that. 
so I, I definitely say Greg Popovich. And I would say lastly, because this is the tough one. I was kind of thinking, I think the first two were easy. Last coach that I look up to. I would say this. I would say, man, and, and I don't know a lot about the guy, but working at Jim Hill, man, I, I, I've heard all kinds of stories in these past three years. I would say Fred Harris, man, mm-hmm. from, from, man, the discipline, the structure, man, he has a, a street named after him at the school. Yes. And so, man, right. just the hard work they say he put into it. He was no nonsense as well, but he literally built this program up from the bottom. Uh, he never went out and recruited any kids. He coached the kids that he had. And I think that just says a lot about uh, how he built this program to where it stands today. And every day I come into my office, he has a, it's a picture on the wall of him. And so, man, he, he even though I never met him, he was from the same hometown. I'm from, from Vicksburg. And so, man, it just, I mean, the stories I hear, he was a great guy, a great principal, a great coach, and a great man. So I would say those three. Definitely, definitely. Now, let me get my last question in, because me and Mr. Austin, we had an argument. Well, we don't argue. We debate on our show that we have, Rep Your Side. And I want to ask you a question. What do you think about Russell Westbrook and these triple doubles? Now, I'm (laughs) going to tell you what I say. Me, personally, (laughs) Russell, to me, is not a a winner. He's not a champion. He's nothing. He's just a stack-the-deck type of guy. That's what I say, because in the position that Russ is in, he should have won a championship by now. Austin disagrees. You know, he's an excuse, man. He made all sorts of excuses for Westbrook. So I want to hear your take on this. Yeah. I'll say this. First of all, and I think we all can agree, it is not easy to average a triple-double. That's number one. Secondly, it's not easy to average a triple-double in the NBA. And so I, I think, you know, I think a lot of times we put rank on championships, which is, of course, the end goal. Man, what's a Westbrook is a Hall of Famer right now today. If oh, definitely. Playing, first ballot. Yeah, yeah, first yeah. ballot. So, as far as, you know, him as a player, man, I, I just think nobody wins a championship without that one-two punch. I mean, we go back and look at Jordan and Scott. We, we look at LeBron and Dwayne. We look at LeBron and Kyrie. We look but he at, had it. He had it with KD. Yeah. Well, well, he he did, but I think that was at a point to where it was a lot going on between them. I I think it was a lot of underlying situations we didn't see behind the scenes, and they really just couldn't quite work it out. Now, truthfully, him and KD, they had the the Golden State Warriors down 3-2. So I think that was their year, and they let it slip away. So, I mean, man, it's it's tough to win, especially on that level. So – I think he's trying his hardest. I don't think him and Bradley Bill are going to be enough in Washington to win one. Yeah. Uh, but I know he will definitely probably go down as probably uh, the biggest stat stuff in the NBA as far as points, rebounds. Thank and you. Thank so, you. So let me now, ask hold you. On, hold on, Austin. No, you, can you can I get this Austin? one last hold question on. up? Hold yeah. on, Austin. Now, I want to ask you, Coach, if one of your players is on your team right now and he's wet Russell Westbrook getting all these triple-doubles, but you all are continuing to lose, what would you say to that player? Well, see, mm. I, I, I think that's a that's a loaded question because it all depends on, like, if this kid is – like, if you're averaging a triple-double, that means you're affecting the game in all sides. You're passing the ball, you're rebounding the ball, and you're scoring the ball. So if you're rebounding, that means that's a, that's a side of defense. If you're passing the ball, that means you're getting other, other people involved and you're not being selfish. And if you're scoring, that means you're leading on the court by being a dog. So it, it all depends on the situation. I, I mean, I would tell the player, look, I mean, if he's averaging a triple-double – I don't think it'll be on that play. I got to get on some other guys to help him out. Because if he's averaging a triple-double, he's passing the ball, he's scoring the ball, and, and he's I rebounding said. the ball. I don't think that's a negative. I don't I don't see that as a negative. That That's what I said. Um, and Big Dog just said it was more of a stat stuff type of thing. And I said he's getting everybody involved. He's involving everybody. So you can't really knock him for what he's doing. 
Uh, and you know, most guys can't name a household uh, name off their uh, household member off their team except Bradley Bill. So that's my only thing with it. Uh, but last question, since we're on this topic, and then I'm not gonna hold you for too long, Coach. But the question is, will Russell Westbrook be remembered on down the line 20 years from now? Because a lot of guys are saying, you know, he won't be remembered after this because he didn't win a championship. But will he be remembered? Is the question. Let me let me ask you this, Austin. Do you remember Charles Barkley, Patrick yeah. Ewing, uh, John Stockton, Carl Malone? All those guys are NBA legends, and they didn't win one. So I think if you if you're being compared with Oscar Robertson, one of the greats, as uh, tie, and I think they're tied now with most triple doubles ever. No, he won it yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so he okay. So so he broke it yesterday. So if if he's in a conversation with Oscar Robertson and he just surpassed Oscar Robertson, we will definitely continue to talk about Russell Westbrook. And I'm going to say this, not because of his triple doubles. Man, he is the most intense basketball player I've ever seen play on the yes, court. I mean, I, if, if, if I could get that from high school kids, man, that will be half the battle, man. Because I think a lot of times kids just don't have that dog in them. And I don't think you can train it. You can try to get a lot out of it. But, man, Russell Westbrook comes out on the floor. He has no friends. Everybody's his enemy. And he pushes his teammates to excel on the same level he is. So, I mean, I just like his personality on the court. I could watch him play all day. Now, he doesn't have a lot of help. But, man, just his tenacity, his ferocity, man, he is – he is one of the most intense players I've ever seen in my life, other than Kevin Garnett. Cool, cool. I like that. I like that. That's my guy, oh, Russell. I'm a oh, Russell oh. fanatic. Go ahead. And, and I meant to ask, answer your other question, too, man. Uh, the expectations for Jim Hill basketball moving forward. Man, making it to the second round and coming so close to getting to the Coliseum, of course, uh, you know, team goes definitely get to the Coliseum, man, next year, which is the Final Four. Uh, we're returning pretty much everybody uh, except three people. Uh, the only thing is, you know, those three are going to be restarted from last year's team. But I think those reserves and those backup spots can fill in nicely. Uh, and we're really excited about getting into a new district, uh, seeing new district opponents, and really trying to make a push to that Coliseum in, uh, in Jackson. So that's my goal uh, for our team as well. Correct, correct. So I don't mean to, uh, you know, cause some tension in the locker room or nothing, but who is a guy to look out for on Jim Hill High School? <laughs> basketball team. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I, I'm not big on dropping names, man, because, I, you know, we, we do it with a team approach. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, everything we do is, you know, it's it's all for one, one for all. And so I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, man, I, I tell them all the time, you know, the, the easiest way to build down, tear down something is from within. Yeah. And, and so that's why, you know, man, it's, it's really going to be a, a true team effort. Now, now, we got some good young gunners from the past seasons, uh, and, and we're really excited about those ninth graders that won the championship. We're really excited about those guys because they're – I mean, they're, they're a really good nucleus of kids, uh, but I think we'll be highly successful if everybody buys into their roles, uh, play to their fullest potential, uh, and, and play for each other, not themselves, I think we'll be fine. So I, I tell people, man, just be on the lookout for the entire team of green and gold. Uh, you know, if you see one flying down the court, you see us all. So uh, just be on the lookout for our entire team. And my, my method would be to all of them, too. Everybody on this team is a leader. When you find one member on the team falling off, you pick that guy up. And let him know this is the direction that we're going in. We're going all going in the right direction. We all leaders, and we're gonna lead ourselves to the championship. That's how you do that. And, and I think too, man, we 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 have such intense practices. I mean, I, Austin, I wish you could come see it, man. I'm talking about from the start of practice to the end. We're constantly putting pressure on everybody to push the guy. Like we do a lot of competitive drills, dribbling, passing, shooting, scrimmaging, and and before you know it, there's they start to you know. I mean, you, you have kind of brush us because in practice, look, nothing is perfect. But it just pushes them to excel and push their teammates so much more that at the end of the day, man, like we talk about that diamond being formed with that pressure, 
when they do see that pressure in games, they see it in practice every day. And I'm a coach to where I believe practices should be way more harder and intense than games. On game day, I want to sit back and watch it because you, you, you've already gone through it in practice. And so I think, man, we put so much pressure on practice to where game day should be fun and relaxing. All I'm trying to do is just manage. I tell them all the time, I don't coach during games. I manage. I coach during practice. So you know exactly what to expect when we do play against somebody else. Let me ask you one question, though, Coach, because this might be a good thing for you, too. Do you ever pull up any uh, old games and make them watch it? 100%. There you go, because that's, <laughs> that right there shows you. You see where this guy's at? That's what you're supposed to be. You know, and you see what this guy's doing, playing defense? This is how you're supposed to be doing it. That would help a lot, too. The easiest way to teach is to show them their own mistakes. And so, yes. you know, it's it's one thing to say, well, you didn't do this against this team. Well, you just show it on film. And so that way they cannot argue. They can't say, well, coach, I think you made a mistake. It's right there on film. And I tell them all the time, man, the eye in the sky never lies. That never film lies. never lies. And yeah. I'm pointing right at you. And so I think that's a really good teacher for us is, is the film. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, coach, we're going to wrap it up right here. I just want to say you did an excellent job of answering our questions. And being a, a Jim Hill alumni, I can't wait to see what's next for the basketball team and the, all the athletics and just can't wait to hear it. Uh-oh, green and gold. I can't <laughs> wait to hear it. But I appreciate you again, Coach. If you got any last things, I'll let you go ahead and um, end us out and hit us out. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, I appreciate you guys for having me on. And like I said, I'm just really excited about what we're doing here. Uh, you know, we, we always welcome alumni back to see the good things we're doing, you know, not just for basketball, man, but for every sport. You know, like I said, I could it's a laundry list of things we have going on, man. But baseball uh, hosted the first round playoff game this year. Track and field girls and boys won district as well as made it to the state meet with 12 participants. So, I mean, girls basketball made it to the first round of the playoffs. We made it to the second round of the playoffs. We just have a lot of good stuff going on in this in this school uh, and in our athletic program as well. So we're excited for the future. Uh, and, and, and just for, for my program as well, man, we're really excited about, you know, making that strong push to the Coliseum this year. So, man, just be on the lookout. Check us out online, and, uh, and hopefully, man, we'll reach those goals this year. Definitely. And, and anytime athletics is for, uh, flourishing and good things are happening in the school, it's definitely going to impact the community. So, again, I just want to say thank you for sharing your time and sharing your busy schedule to come talk to us guys, just sitting back and relaxing. So, appreciate you, Coach. Again, hey, hey, last, again. last thing, last thing, and I got to say this too, man. I got to say this too, man. We we, we, we talk about well-rounded athletes, man. We're so proud of one of our basketball players, Cameron Madison. He's also Mr. Jim Hill High School, which is the highest student honor. So, man, we're just really proud of having well-rounded students in our program. And like I said, I definitely want to give him a shout out, man, because he is Mr. Jim Hill High School. There's a lot on his plate while maintaining a 4.0 GPA and over 25 ACT. We're definitely excited about him. You know, him as well as Anthony Womack, those are our two graduating seniors. I'm definitely going to miss those two guys. Congratulations to them again. Um, you know, hopefully they uh, go on. Well, I know being uh, just looking at the resume, they will go on and do great things. So just appreciate them and and just, you know, tell them enjoy the moment, enjoy the memories because it's nothing like high school. And just Absolutely. wherever you go, just enjoy the memories and just have a fun time. So Absolutely. appreciate you again, Coach. Thanks again, Coach James Lewis. All right, guys.